Rabbit Rabbit is the new album by Speedy Ortez. Those are some big bunnies in the video. Here is Sadie to fill us in on what's been happening since the last record. I mean, I put out a, a solo record in the pandemic, so right. I think that kind of prepped me for how this <laughs> yeah. would go. Um, right. I didn't get to tour on that one at all. Everything was canceled and rescheduled so many times. We just kind of gave up and, and worked on the next thing. But um, the big difference in this record uh, from the last speedy one is the lineup changed right. uh, beginning around 2018, right after the record came out. Uh, tour first. Um, Audrey Z. Whiteside started playing bass on tour around that time. Yep. And Joey Dubeck started playing drums on tour in 2019. Uh, no interesting drama. The members they're replacing are still among my my best friends. They just wanted different kinds of jobs, uh, which is respectable and cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I saw your uh, Tiny Desk concert. You had some of your older folks. Yeah, we did, which was really a fun treat to get to play together again. So this was the first record we'd done with this particular four-piece lineup. And I think the the time away from touring allowed us all to come back to the recording process with sort of different perspective on our instruments and playing with one another. I think um, it's not to say that this record wouldn't have happened without the pandemic, but certainly that the time off the road changed my approach to production and to playing guitar. And I think that was true for my bandmates as well. Um, and the forced time away, I think, made the recording process especially joyful. It's always my favorite part of the whole thing. I, I feel like I like touring, but it's like a means to an end to afford right. studio time. Um, but this was really one of the, the foremost recording experiences of my life. And I think my, my bandmates say the same. Okay. Well, tell me more about that. What was the, the vibe like in the studio? How were you guys working together? And why was it different this time? Sure. The, the studio we primarily worked from is called Rancho de la Luna. It's in Joshua Tree, California, and it's right. best known for housing the desert, oh, excuse me, the desert sessions, which yep. is um, Queens of the Stone Age and a bunch of the, the fellow desert rock community. Yeah, Josh Homme and all those guys. Josh right? Homme, yeah. uh, but also, you know, PJ Harvey and right. Mark Lanigan and Billy Gibbons and Carla <laughs> Zar of Autolux. I mean, just about everybody I love has showed up at a desert sessions in some capacity. So we knew about the studio from this legacy and then getting to work with David Ketching, uh, who runs the studio and well, he wasn't working in a production or engineering capacity. He was just sort of the, the curator of the session. Right. Um, he's just a, a lovely person and, and brought such a sweet energy to the recording process. Um, not to mention, he's got a tremendous assortment of gear that is all in 100% working order, which is pretty I, rare in studio. Oh, really? Even the, <laughs> even the really high end ones, you know, you'll be like, "I'd like to use this." You know, I'd like to use your thirty thousand dollar microphone, and they're like, "Oh, it's not working. Uh, needs to get repaired." Um, <laughs> or, "Oh, the board's missing X amount of channels. Can't can't do that." Mm. Um, that's not the case at, at Rancho. Everything's in perfect condition because David's sitting there tinkering right. all day. Uh, so we had just had a ton of fun getting to use all his things and getting to learn about uh, him and the studio and 
our friend Sarah Tudson, who plays as Illuminati Hotties, came right. in as the engineer and co-producer. So she's one of our best friends. Getting to spend those few weeks with her was a, a real treat after over, you know, a year and a half of isolation. Yep. So uh, it was just wonderful and couldn't be replicated and will just stand alone as one of my favorite cool. favorite times in the studio. And my sense is that earlier it, it's kind of more of been a solo effort or you're you know in the driver's seat definitely with help from others whereas this is more of a group effort is that correct i think it's about the same as it has been but it's a different group so that okay. brings out different aspects um i've always kind of been the the sole songwriter and i tend to bring stuff to my bandmates fairly elaborately demoed and uh, the structure doesn't doesn't tend to change once it hits the group but individual parts will change in response to what each other is playing and my guitar parts may change in response to the bass part Audrey wrote based off of the drum beat that Joey wrote based right. off of the guitar part Andy adapted from one that I wrote you know it's like yep. a, a little bit of a domino effect cool so the, I would say m my role hasn't really changed but you get different things from different collaborators. And especially with this lineup, we'd been touring together for many years before we recorded. So there right. was a ton of time to sort of build that musical language together. So even when I was in the demoing process, I already have a, a good sense of what kinds of parts would Joey have fun with? Let me try to program something yeah. that he'll enjoy or we'll find it an interesting challenge. And um, I think that that kind of, longevity of the friendships informed my even my solo uh, approach to the demoing gotcha now i know you have a song on it called scabs which is mm -hmm. kind of inspired by some of the union stuff going on there's the strike in hollywood and i think the uaw is in the middle of a strike at the moment and yeah that's so, true um uh, here in new zealand for some reason they're very anti-union a lot of people are they seem to think it oh no yeah and i don't know why because i'm not but uh so i'm curious as to uh, how you came to write the song and why and what the reaction is specifically about arts labor, but it was written in the post office uh, <laughs> after hearing some of my fellow patrons uh, just being uncool to a, a mail carrier who was working. Right. And this was amid, this is like a year into the pandemic when everyone's doing the lip service of supporting essential workers, but then right. you step into the grocery store, the doctor's office or the post office and the, the essential workers who have to be there are absolutely not being supported by the customers who are, you know, feeling personally inconvenienced by the, the very normal yeah. fact of having to wait in a line. So it was sort of written around the hypocrisy of you know, on the one hand, we support essential workers. And on the other hand, like, hurry up and help me first, uh, that I was witnessing. <laughs> uh, but I, I kind of so I wrote it in line at the post office. Uh, and this was amid a bunch of changes to um, mail carriers, 
hours and working conditions that were being widely uh, opposed by the mail carrier unions. So it was like, not like this stuff wasn't in the news. Um, but I'm also part of uh, UMA, United Musicians and Allied Workers, which is uh, somewhere between a, a union and an advocacy group on behalf of right. uh, changing compensation for musicians. Um, I've also been a graduate student teacher and in the U.S., the graduate student unions of which I was formerly a member have been striking and uh, succeeding, you know, making making victories across the country. Um, so it was sort of initially about this one thing, but became more widely about um peers I see who are willing to cross a picket line for their own individual convenience when really there should be worker solidarity across all of these struggles because they're, they're connected. So that, that was the impetus behind that song. Yeah. I I mean, you can make a case for musicians have not been properly uh, paid or represented for since they started making records, but nowadays with the streaming things and all that, it's even, it's, more more dire than ever for for you guys so yeah the compensation is very low from streaming uh the compensation on the road is not always tremendous some venues want to take a exorbitant merch cut there's plenty of things to to fight together for um but we've also got to have the backs of other workers who are also striking for what they need so that's sort of the gist of the song yep 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 now the album opens up with a song called kim cattrall uh, mm-hmm. Why is that there? Why is that our first thing we hear? Yes. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> she rocks. Girls are against God, Well, I, I wrote the song uh, with a different title, which I don't even remember wh- what I had it as. Uh, but it was about um, just, get you know, I've entered my mid-30s. I'm making better decisions for myself than when I was 25. And I don't feel the need to sit through a, a harmful or unkind to myself situation, whether that's work or interpersonal or whatever else. Um, just for the sake of getting along. And that that's sort of what the, the song is about, looking back on some of the things I've uh, been subjected to or put up with and vowing to do do better by myself. And so when, uh, when I was working on this song, Kim Cattrall had given a number of interviews about the Sex and the City reboot. And right. She basically was like, for no amount of money will I return to the show. My co-stars were not kind to me. Uh, I wasn't compensated enough and I'm just old enough that I don't, I don't have to, I know better. I don't have to do things that make me unhappy. Right. So I really liked her statements on that and and thought it kind of fit with the sentiment of the song. So I borrowed her name. And overall, do you think things are improving in in those regards, especially for women? Gosh, I hope so. (laughs) I mean, I don't even know that that's a a gendered thing. Uh, Yeah. Certainly, (laughs) you know, we get socialized to to accept more things for the sake of politeness. But uh, I hope everybody makes better choices for themselves as they get older and um, yeah, can can learn to pick the paths that are least harmful for themselves and those around them. Right, right, right. 
and it's followed by a tune that's kind of about celebrating Los Angeles. I don't know how to pronounce the name <laughs> of the song. So yeah, that's funny. Uh, it's called <laughs> it's U Season Two or USO Two, depending okay. on how many uh, how much torrenting you do. That one is kind of a similar sentiment to Scabs. It was sort of written about uh, looking at folks I know in the entertainment industry who maybe built their early careers on stated ethics that they haven't stuck to as they've advanced along their careers. Uh, You know, started with DIY and punk and community values and then become owners of their own business where they prevent their workers from unionizing or things right. along those lines. And, uh, you know, it, it could be that I'm giving one example, but I'm giving like five examples and everybody right. I know and, you know, whether they're a novelist or a journalist or a filmmaker or a director uh, or a musician or a painter, you know, everybody in any kind of creative industry. And I'm, I'm sure the folks in other industries know people with the exact same uh, downward <laughs> moral trajectories. Right. So well, that that's sort of what the song was about. But the reason it's LA is because I don't know if you've you've driven there in a while. No, uh, not in a while, but, but I the have. Car, <laughs> drivers just love to peel out from the shopping plazas right in front of you, uh, coming from the right. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was a really nice metaphor for mm-hmm. social ruthlessness and cutting someone off when there's absolutely no reason to do so, yeah. uh, just because you can. So do you think as a musician or an artist in general, I mean, most artists start out with a kind of uh, idealized view of what they're doing and why they're doing it. But as it becomes a business and other things get involved, they have to make decisions along the way as to how strongly they're going to remain with those core values that they started with, especially thinking about punk rock as being one of those things. So do you think People make there is a, a, a like a timeline where you have to make a decision of what kind of artist you're going to remain. I think people delude themselves into thinking <laughs> they're continuing to live by their values and then uh, are just not looking out for for their peers, for the, their community members. Or maybe they think that they've paid their dues and no longer need to ensure everyone's being treated as Right. You know, fairly or I went through shit. So I'm sorry, I don't know, probably not supposed to cuss on this. You can say um, whatever you like. <laughs> all right, cool. Uh, I think a lot of people are deluded about how ethically they're living their lives. And it's certainly not, you know, everyone uh, makes breaches in their own ethics. But um, I do think there's a, a certain ego fed shift that, that can occur to uh, entertainers, especially in positions of power where they are, uh, you know, not as quick to to pass around the spoils to yeah, yeah. the folks who've helped them earn that income. I guess it's easier when you don't have any spoils to share to say everybody gets the same, but then suddenly... <laughs> That's true, and, and my music's <laughs> too weird. I guess I'll never find out. <laughs> oh, do you think so? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'll let that lie. Um, yeah. but I see you made a few music videos. How involved do you get in the visualization of your weird music? Some stones unturned
with a few ideas and then sort of let the director take it from there or we'll uh -huh. spitball together to come up with something together. Um, a lot of our videos have kind of sprung off from horror movies right. uh, that I've been enjoying. And I mentioned to the director, hey, this one seems like it could be a thematic fit for this song. What, like, what do you think? And then, uh, of course, you know, a lot of music video directors come from a background of loving B-movies and campy right. movies. And uh, it's a really easy vein of imagery to mine for music videos, which have to communicate a lot in like three minutes. So, um, yeah, we've done a few pretty fun ones for this record. And I was just texting with uh, Alex Ross Perry, who directed one of them, like right before I got on this call. So, which one did he direct? He did Ghost Rider. Which, oh, right. Um, okay. We did as sort of a new, that was not a, a horror movie per se, even though he is a, a big horror buff. Um, but that was uh, like a new metal homage. Right. Um, and the gist is that the the band, the band's new metal performance uh, turns the whole audience into new metal fanatics. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> How scary. <laughs> exactly. Well, I remember the hair metal fad of the 80s, and that was pretty mm -hmm. frightening. So, yeah, something to be scared. I'm pro new metal in this. In this okay, good on you. <laughs> 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 and and the, the Ghostwriter song is preceded by a tune called Brace Lee, which when I first saw it, I thought it was about Bruce Lee. So I feel I need, no. to, <laughs> I need to discuss uh, it. Brace Lee, like, uh, yeah. Drawn to the chain of horses And their smell I really like to to take the song that should be the obvious closer and not let it close the album. Ah, okay, <laughs> that's interesting. So that yep. kind of has all the makings of a of a last track. Yeah. Um, I think by an early decision in working on the demo was to make the tempo aggressively slow. Um, I think a lot of the feelings described in that song are among the most uncomfortable and and difficult to write through on the record. Um, it's specifically about uh, child abuse I experienced, um, not in very blatant terms, but mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's blatant to me because I wrote it, of course. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, I think it needs to be uncomfortably slow to sort of work through some of these, you know, shifts in emotion and and dynamics and instrumentation. Um, and so that was sort of the the intention behind putting it at this slow, slow pace and allowing it all this space to kind of build and uh, erupt. And I really appreciated my bandmates' contributions to this one. Um, yeah. Our old uh, band member, Devin McKnight, added a guitar solo that's pretty incredible. Um, Andy, the, the current second guitarist, plays yep. some really wonderful uh, grand piano. Um, we just had a lot of you know, it's a heavy song emotionally and sonically. And it was a lot of, uh, it was an interesting puzzle to fill it out. So I really like that one and have been enjoying playing it live. My bandmate, Audrey, to spare my vocals, uh, she's taken on all the screaming part nice. at the end. So that <laughs> kind of gives me a fun break. And I just get to, you know, I'm doing kind of the quiet lower octave. Right. And she's just screaming her head off. And it's cool. awesome to see every night. <laughs> fun. So speaking of live shows, I think the next one you have coming up is in Washington, is it? 
on yep the- yeah we just got home from we were out for five weeks and we get like a week and a half at home and then another five weeks out yeah, yeah. and do the songs evolve in the live experience as opposed to what we hear on the record um we did a fair amount of rehearsing prior to the tour so i think a lot of that evolution was sort of happening as we were shot because it's so many tracks on each song we each play a million overdubs we had to kind of distill what's most important for each of us to represent because we're not playing to backing tracks um which I, I kind of wanted to do, but I, I respect that my bandmates didn't want to. Uh, I, I have my other sort of pop project. So I've been like, tracks are no big deal. It's totally fine. Yeah, everybody's uh, kind of cool with it these days, aren't they? Everybody's cool with it these days. But I think it's it's it lets the intricacy of the guitar really shine, that there's not all the keyboards all over it. And right. um, it lets the drum parts shine, that they're not all, you know, doubled up with samples. Um so things change as we get more comfortable with them. And there's things that, you know, I notice Audrey doing that's a slight change. And maybe that changes my part ever so slightly similar to the arranging process before we record. Um, but really, it's just that we get very tight with one another. And, and that's a lot of fun to get in that state. Cool. And do you get much audience interaction before and after the gigs? People. Want yeah, to I try. I try to. um we sort of take turns at merch uh, right. <laughs> and I try to wait till the end of the night just because um I have some vocal cord drama. I got gotcha. a cyst on my vocal cords oh, about six years ago. So there's a lot of interventions I have to do to, to stop that from getting worse. Um, right. So I I do merch after we play so that I'm not talking too much before, before. the shows. Yeah. But I have a ton of fun meeting people, especially when we've had a few all ages shows on this tour. And the best thing is when we meet, you know, kids who are still in high school who are saying like, uh, your your band made me start a band or makes me want to actually practice my guitar or things right. like that. Uh, I really appreciate when when we get some of the younger kids out to the shows. Cool. Um, so that's been really gratifying to get to meet some of those you know yeah. new musicians who I'm sure will be playing their own yep. shows in like two years. Kids can do the darndest things. I had a 20-year-old yesterday up in my little studio playing a song that she's put out on EP and I'm constantly amazed at how sophisticated and mature and kind of yeah this well adjusted they seem they to listen be. to everything they absorb it all I'm I'm very impressed by yeah, uh, yeah. the young musicians we get to meet cool and all play right. with too yeah well hopefully we'll get to meet you come to this part of the world if you get a chance I hope so yeah yep we'll see you when you come in the meantime thank you for uh doing this with me and yeah of course thanks for record Good luck with all the shows and the record. Awesome. Thank you so much. Right. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye.